Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 76. We're going to talk about indoor practices. We're going to review something we've talked about in the past, but seeing how I saw on the Weather Channel earlier today that 84% of the country right now it's it happening. has got snow or ice. So obviously that means a whole lot of indoor practicing going on. So uh, before we talk about that, let's talk about our sponsors. First off, Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is proud to announce that the Anderson Bat Company is becoming our presenting sponsor. In 2021, Anderson is producing the minus 9 Rocket Tech, the minus 10 Carbon, and the minus 11 Carbon Light. You get all the power with a great feel. It's the latest and greatest bat technology. Check out andersonbat.com if you have any questions. And then let's talk about Patreon, Don. Patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Those of you that are listening to us here at Coach Prep or Everything Fast Pitch, we really do appreciate the support we're getting from our patrons. Um, If you're in a position where you can support us, become a patron. There's three different levels. We would love for you to do so. Coach Don and I really need the support. We're doing everything we can to keep Everything Fast Pitch and Coach Prep growing and to keep it free. And so if you are in a position where you can become a patron and donate to us every month, that would be really appreciated. We have a bunch of different benefits and uh, things in place to help you hopefully let you know that we really do appreciate you being a patron. So Don, let's talk about indoor practices. I know uh, I was kind of joking a little bit about 80% of the country having snow or ice, but right now that's just the facts of life. Crazy as it is, some parts of the country where this type of weather, this type of the time of the year is a pretty rare occurrence. I just want to remind our coaching friends that just because the weather is bad, doesn't mean that uh, bad practices are okay or no practice is okay. We want to start to think about options, ways to be more flexible, and ways to use different kinds of spaces to make sure that we're getting stuff done. So I think that's probably very, uh, very relevant for most everyone right now. Even in the South here, Tori, we've got lots of facilities that you can use and utilize uh, in inclement weather, but um, I can only imagine up north there's even more and, yep. uh, you know, making time to get in those spaces and do things that are creative, I think, are definitely going to transpose over to a better season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know whether we're at the church gym or whether we're at um, one of the batting cages or batting ranges in, in, in our area, I think that we're um, in a situation where we can work on the skills that we're going to use definitely in the spring and summer. Right. Well, one of the things that I think we have to address right away is I think for a lot of us as coaches, we have bad attitudes about the idea of not being able to get out on the field. You know, our experiences have led us to believe that if I can't be on the field, if I can't have dirt, if I can't have grass, that somehow that that means I'm not going to be able to have a good practice. And one of the things that I will say without a shadow of a doubt is all those years I spent coaching in Wisconsin and coaching at UW Parkside where we were trying to figure out ways to get ready to play early in the spring season. You got it done, though. With, yeah. with no field time made me a much better coach, made me a much smarter coach. And I think that our challenge now is for our coaches, no matter where you're living, no matter what your climate is normally like, to start to look for ways to be creative, to look for ways to take advantage of whatever spaces you have. And so when I was coaching at Parkside, you know, we would have some days that we would get to use the field house, which was a really nice big space. It was, you know, like three basketball courts wide, fairly high ceiling. So we could do infield, we could do some pop flies, we could do everything but really hitting a real fly ball. Right. And that was great. But there would be other nights because of intramurals or baseball practice or wrestling meets or whatever it might be, then we might get one third of that space. 
There would be other days that we would get to use the wrestling room, which was 50 feet by 30 feet. There were some days we got to use the racquetball courts. Mm-hmm. There were some days we got to use the hallway outside the locker room. And it all just depended on what, you know, what else was going on in the facility and, and, and what was happening. And so uh, it required us to be really open-minded and, and creative in, in coming up with ways to practice. And so what I was able to do because of the necessity, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, is to figure out ways to practice in almost every kind of facility. The last option would be sometimes we would get a classroom. Yep. You know, sometimes we would push the desks all to the side and we'd have a little bit of space in the middle to do something physical. Sometimes the desks were bolted into the ground and you couldn't move them and you'd use the chalkboard and have mental practices. And so, you know, I think for us as coaches, we have to address our attitude about it right away and make sure that we're thinking about the challenge of indoor practice as an opportunity to grow as a coach instead of an excuse to have bad practices. No, I think that all these all these things you're talking about, Tori, are just a way for us to be banking on having a good spring. Yeah. And we got to put a little bit in, got to put a little bit in, a little more in. So that come springtime, we've got something there that that's uh, you know going to help us be prepared. And whether it's on your knees working on on diving for balls like we talked about earlier, or you know for a tennis ball in a racquetball court, um, I'm seeing all kinds of sliding things and right. and different fun things that we can try to do to uh, you know to utilize those spaces and chalk talk, just like you said, yeah. chalkboard and uh, whiteboard and and talking about the things that we want to do for defenses or you know, giving the kids a chance to teach us, yep. you know, Hey, here's, here's the situation. What do you think should happen? And let them work through that so that they're actually having to be creative and, you know, try and come up with solutions for different situations. And again, all those things are, we're banking up uh, info and logging in time so that in the spring we can be prepared. Stretching. I'm going to throw one more thing out there. I don't, I, we talk about it a lot, but I don't think that everybody does it enough. Um, stretching. If, if you've only got a space to stretch and condition, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, crunches, you know, any of those types of things, but becoming more flexible is uh, decreasing our chance of injury in the spring, too. Yeah. yeah, so I think that the idea is, you know, starting to think creatively. And so I think uh, for our, our coaches, we got to challenge ourselves. One of the things that uh, we notice when we see an outdoor practice is that people are typically very traditional in, in their approach. You know, a lot of people are kind of using the same routines, the same you know, hitting patterns, the same ground ball patterns, those kinds of things. And there's certainly some value to that. You know, there's something to be gained for a shortstop getting a ground ball at the normal distance and making the normal throw. But there's a lot of things that we can really increase their learning and increase their knowledge base by doing some things a little bit differently. So one of the things that we've talked about in the past is shrinking the field down. You know, we used to call it pygmy infield, and now we'll just call it mini infield because we don't want to, you know, Upset anybody. Upset anybody. Um, so the idea is normally we've got a 60-foot box for the bases, but depending upon your space, maybe today you have 30 feet between the bases. Maybe you have 20 feet, 15 feet, whatever it is. Let's say you know uh, we can set up an infield in a classroom where the bases are 15 feet apart. Now, I'm certainly not going to be hitting laser beams at my shortstop 18 feet away in that situation, but let's say we're struggling with bunt coverages. So we've got a really small infield. We can work on all the bunt coverage stuff because, let's say we use a tennis ball, and let's say our challenge is our second baseman's just not really good at getting over to cover first base. Well, if we're out on the whole field, she's at her normal position, 
I lay down a bunt. She's got to run 60 or 70 feet to cover first base. Three or four reps. and Right. Then she's yep. got to run 70 feet back. Then she runs 70 feet over. Then she runs 70 feet back. And before you know it, in a minute, we've done three reps because of all the downtime in between getting reset. Maybe we've only done two reps in a minute. And now, she's worn out. Yeah. Now because we've only, she's only got to run eight feet or 10 feet or 12 feet to get to her position. Now in a minute, maybe we've gotten six or eight or 10 reps in. And still working on positioning and her still, feet. Right, and, and getting to the bag and recognizing the batter squares around a bunt that, the, you know, that you know, her job is to get to first base to cover. So because the infield is smaller, her number of repetitions is increasing. What she really needs to work on is improving. Let's say the same situation, bunt coverages. Let's say our team is really bad at communicating. And so that ball gets bunted, and every time it gets bunted, the pitcher, first baseman, third baseman, and catcher all pile into each other because they're all able to get to the ball, but they haven't figured out yet who really should make the play. Well, we shrink the infield down. Now they've got to communicate that much faster because with a 15-foot infield, the center fielder could field the bunt. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we've got a situation where those kids have got to talk and communicate and sort it out quicker than they would normally on the field. So now when we get back out on the field, it seems like, wow, this is pretty easy. We've got tons of time to figure out who's going to make this play. And see it developing. Right. And, yeah. you know, may maybe we can use that situation for our third baseman to see that I should really be getting to more of these balls because I've got the best opportunity to make that throw. And so we can communicate it, we can talk it through, we can practice it a whole bunch. And again, because things are smaller, we can work on a whole lot of Reps. opportunities, a whole More lot reps. of reps yep. for them to learn and see. So the mini infield is a perfect example. Now, a lot of us would look at it and say, well, it's a waste of time. If they're not going to make a throw from where they would normally be, then it's not, you know, not productive. It's a waste of time. Well, if my weakness is fielding the ball deep in the hole and making a long throw to first, I would agree with you. Doing it in a mini infield isn't going to solve that problem. But the number of players who that's what they really need to work on is a pretty small list. And Tori, even if you're very proficient or very good at any portion of it, if you're not taking reps, you're losing you're losing ground on right. that. Yep. Yeah. You gotta you gotta practice it if you're gonna stay there. Yeah. And so even the idea of, you know, the, the backhand or ranging after ball, if my shortstop needs to work on that, we can still do that in a fifteen foot infield with a tennis ball. Sure. You know, maybe uh, you know she's got really you know stiff hands. She doesn't give with the ball very much. Well, now we can take the glove off and use our bare hand in a tennis ball because you know we're so close together. I'm not throwing it very hard. I'm not rolling it very hard. I'm not bunting it very hard. So now we get chances to work on different things. So so it all comes back to the idea of I can see it as an opportunity or I can see it as a waste or a futile what are, thing. What are, what are our choices? We stay home and right. So, yeah, no, so we got to get something done. Yeah. And so another option is what, you know, what we call splitting the field. So let's say we're in a long, narrow space. Maybe we've got a hallway to work with. So now in that hallway, can we work on relays and cutoffs and all that stuff? Of course we can. Now, maybe again, it's a smaller distance. Maybe we've got to use a sock ball because there's a window at the end of the hallway. And if we use a real softball, we're going to cause real damage. You know, maybe we have to use a tennis ball again. Maybe we need to use those uh, super, super squishy uh, uh, anywhere balls. I can't remember for sure the name of the company. Incredible. But, uh, but, uh, but there was another company that made it was yep. so soft you could hit it into like a window and it wouldn't break it. But we have to use those kinds of tools. But we can still work on, okay, at one end of the hallway is the catcher. At the other end of the hallway is the outfielder. And in the space in between is where we're going to have our relay person or our cutoff person. 
depending upon the size of the space that you're in, maybe this is a really good thing because now the outfielder realizes that to make this really effective relay throw, I don't want to throw a rainbow. Mm-hmm. I definitely can't throw a rainbow all the way to the person I'm trying to relay it to because it's going to hit the ceiling. Yeah. And so now because we're in a more constrictive space, we're forcing our players to see something differently, to learn to do it differently that might end up ultimately being an improvement. Because we all have that one outfielder that I know for sure when she picks up the ball at the fence, she thinks she can throw it all the way home. And she might have a strong enough arm that she can, but to throw it all the way home from 180 feet away, she's got to throw it 100 feet in the air. Sure. Versus now she can figure out, well, wait a second, the fastest way for me to get this ball to go from here to there is two straight line snappy throws. And so we can plant that seed and work on something again that's really, really important. So thinking about indoor practices, it's up to us to figure out how to get something done with the space we have. You know, Don, you mentioned the church gym. If you've got a basketball court, you can have a great practice. Absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. If you've got half of the basketball court, you can still have a great practice. But the thing we want to start to think about, if you've got the free throw lane, you can still have a great practice. It's just up to us to be creative in what we're doing and to invest a little bit in making sure that you've got a, a, a few tools, a few things that you can use that are safe. And it doesn't mean you've got to spend a ton of money. You can get tennis balls for free. If you, everybody knows somebody who plays tennis that has a bunch of crappy old tennis balls that they don't play with anymore because they're worn out. Everybody has an old torn up sock that you can make a sock ball out of. You know, there's all kinds of ways to make those tools to be able to do something safely inside. And again, it's up to us as coaches. You don't have to have a ton of bonnets. You don't have to have a ton of squishy balls. You don't have to have a ton of stuff to still have a productive indoor practice as long as our attitude is so good about it. No, Tori, shovel passes, backhand, backhand throws, all those things need practice and coordination. That doesn't take a lot of space. Those are all close, um, you know, close quarter events. Um, sliding, um, short hops, yep. all these things are things you can do in small spaces right. off of a, a block wall, you know, blocking for catchers off a block wall. There's yep. all kinds of fun things that we can get creative and do. Yeah, and, and our attitude is going to be a big part of it, you know, because you mentioned something earlier, Don, about diving for balls. I can remember the couple of times that we, you know, told the kids at the start of practice where we're going in the wrestling room today. You start on your knees. Yeah, and, and, and also, hey, yeah. diving practice, great. Yeah, you got the mats. And, and they're laying out on the mats and, and going all out after the ball and knowing that they're not going to get hurt, hurt. because yeah. of you know they're in that situation. And so, again, I think that if we have a good attitude about it as coaches, we can make indoor practices really productive and honestly really beneficial to our overall development. You, know, you said it a couple times down about putting money in the bank so when we get out on the field and you know, later on in the spring, we're ready to... You know, to get paid off. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, these indoor practices are a great way to do that. And again, I think it's up to us as coaches. If our attitude is good, our players' attitude will be better. And if our players' attitude is good about it, we're going to get a lot done. Well, Tori, here's the other piece to me, and this might be a little side note, but the more time we spend, you know, whether it's in a, a perfect outdoor setting or whether it's in an indoor setting, the more time we spend with our teammates, the more we learn about them, the more we pull for one another, the the better the team cohesiveness is. So whatever the event is, you know, spending time with those people, I think is really important too. Good deal. And I think that that's a, the hidden message in the whole thing is sometimes the adversity, quote unquote, adversity of being stuck indoors for practice could be a really good team building opportunity because now we get a chance to pull together and get something positive done in a less than ourselves and and get something done in a less than positive or perfect uh, environment. So Coaches, indoor practices, it's going to be part of our lives. 
Um, obviously, you know, when we have a stretch of really bad weather like we have right now, it makes us think about it a little bit more. But let's be planning in advance. Let's be preparing for it. Let's have that bucket of mystery balls of tennis balls and wiffle <laughs> balls and the light flights and, and squishies and everything else so that when you're heading indoors, you got plenty of tools to get something done Perfect. and you can get it, uh, have a really good practices. So, um, Don, let's talk about our sponsors really quickly, Anderson Bat Company. And then also let's talk about Patreon.com, everything, fa- everything fast pitch, Patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. Please be a patron if you can. Coach Don and I would really love your support. Check out our website, fastpitchprep.com. We're looking for suggestions, ideas, and topics. Please make sure you send us an email with anything you want us to talk about. Coach Don and I really try to do the best we can to answer questions and to talk about stuff that's of interest to you. And the more you share with us, the easier it is for us to do that. So, Don, anything else for episode number 76? No, again, this time of year, that's a great topic today. Perfect. Well, everybody have a great week. For Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Torrey in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks for listening to episode number 76 of Coach Prep, and we'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) 